What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here with Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. My guest today is a fan favorite for all of you uh, watching, uh, former uh, intelligence officer Phil Giraldi, whose uh, background, talent, education, and courage is well known to everyone watching and listening to us now, and who has been my go-to person on many issues involving the intelligence community and whatever the hell is happening uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Phil, it's a pleasure. Welcome back to Judging Freedom. Well, thank you for having me on again. Of course. So what what is uh, your latest understanding, either from what you see and, and hear and read, or from what you have gathered from your uh, former colleagues in the intelligence community about how well or how poorly uh, this war is faring from the Ukraine perspective? Well, I think it's fair to say that um, uh, those who are uh, um, in the loop uh, the best among my former colleagues uh, seem to concede that um, uh, we really don't know a lot about what is going on on the ground uh, in Ukraine. The the problem is that uh, both sides obviously are coming out with their own propaganda. And uh, this has been strengthened by the United States and Britain primarily kicking in with their propaganda. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, controversy in terms of what is really happening. Uh, I think the the consensus among people that I would listen to, uh, like Scott uh, Ritter and and, uh, Colonel McGregor, uh, is that, you know, this is a, uh, there's a foregone conclusion here that the, that Ukraine is going to lose this. Uh, but the, the consequences for the rest of us, of course, of course, are the question. Well, what is the um, benefit from, I guess it's a political question, Phil, from the Biden perspective of putting $56 billion in there? We all know how big a number that is. It, it rivals the Russian total military budget. It exceeds the total governmental budget of Ukraine. If if the Russians are doomed to win and Ukraine is doomed to lose, he's not going to get that fifty six billion back. Well, see, the question here is uh, how much of that fifty six billion will actually go to Ukraine and be spent by Ukraine? Uh, uh, quite a bit of it clearly is going to be uh, going directly to uh, defense contractors in the United States, who will then will be supplying their wares to Ukraine uh, on some kind of basis, which we don't really understand. Uh, Senator Rand Paul, of course, has called for some kind of oversight to how this money is spent, but there's no indication that that's going to be the case. I mean, they're, they're, but there are other things that, that scare me a little bit more than the, just the money that's flowing. It's just, uh, you know, uh, 
last week we had the uh, president of the United States basically threatening China over Taiwan, threatening to go to war if uh, the Chinese were to assert any kind of control over Taiwan. Uh, uh, almost immediately, the staff at the White House said that that was a misspoke and that, uh, in fact, the policy of, uh, of the United States has long been that uh, uh, we basically don't try to provoke the situation into a war footing in China. But this is nevertheless what the president said. And now two days ago, he said the United States was not going to supply these long-range uh, missiles, which uh, could have been used by Ukraine to attack Russia itself. Uh, we were not going to supply those. And now today they're saying we will supply them because the Ukrainians said they won't use them on Russia. Now that that's that gives me a lot of confidence. I don't know right. how to feel about it. Yeah. So I'm throwing my hands up because who would believe what they say? So let me um, put two and two together here and, and ask you to give me an answer. We are sending long-range missiles to Kyiv that can reach Russia. We have guarding the embassy in Kyiv, not just Marines in uniform, but special forces who, as you know, are unshaven and don't wear uniforms and don't really guard buildings. Have we started World War III? Are we perilously close to starting the correct answer is perilously close. And what disturbs me is that these moves are provocative. Yes. It's not like we're trying to back up, back away from a nuclear war. It's almost as if Joe Biden and some of the people that surround him and are advising him or speaking for him are essentially interested in, in starting a war which could be borderline uh, nuclear uh, in a minute. Uh, if uh, if uh, Ukraine uh, goes back on its pledge not to use these uh, missiles against Soviet or Russian uh, cities, against military targets all inside Russia, uh, suddenly this whole thing escalates. You uh, mentioned earlier that a lot of the uh, pro-Ukrainian propaganda is coming from the American intelligence community and the British intelligence community, which you know, and most people listening to us know, generally work hand in hand. Um, how do professional intelligence officers, of which you were one, feel about perpetrating a public lie? Does that disturb them? Does that assault their profession? professionalism or is yeah, that what they do or is that what they do for a living yeah i would have to answer that it it, it does disturb some professional intelligence officers but you have um uh, i try to answer this kind of question in a in, in, in maybe an evasive way uh an organization like the cia which has twenty thousand employees and british intelligence has a few thousand more uh, in these organizations, there are several CIAs and there are several MI6s. You what have you the people who were like me that went out and worked every day and tried to collect information and use that information in a, in a, we say, a positive way to understand what was going on in the world. Uh, and then you have the, 
the class that um, the other CIA, the other MI6, these are the people that run the organizations. And these people are essentially political. And by political, I mean that when the British prime minister says jump or uh, the president says jump, they say how high. So if you, Phil Giraldi, told President George W. Bush that Saddam Hussein does not have weapons of mass destruction or if what he has is garbage, he can't even use it. How do you feel if Bush goes on air two days later and claims the opposite of what you told him? A, is there somebody telling him the opposite of what you told him so he has cover? Or B, is he making up what he said and not caring about what the professionals tell him? And you can change the names. It doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be Bush. It could be Johnny Jones and Joe Biden or Susie Smith and Ronald Reagan. It could be anybody. Yeah, sure. I, well, of course, you, you know, you're you're personally offended by the fact that uh, information that you know to be true was ignored and information that those in charge know to be untrue or at least questionable uh, was used to make policy. And the policy led to a war which killed, in this case, hundreds of thousands of people. So the, the, the working level people get offended by this thing. But then the question becomes, well, do I want to keep my job uh, so I keep my mouth shut? Or basically, uh, do I go along with this charade? And when we're sitting in a staff meeting and, and uh, George Tennant says something really idiotic about weapons of mass destruction, I just nod my head in agreement. So, you know, you, these, are, these are serious questions about uh, serious issues like uh, where one uh, wants to uh, be able to earn an income and live. Um, I, I personally had problems with the uh, weapons of mass destruction uh, before the invasion of Iraq, and uh, I left the uh, agency uh, under circumstances that were related to that. So you so, know, it's that was my decision. And and, uh, and 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 the people watching and listening to you now, including yours truly, love you for that, and characterize you as a paradigm of what intelligence officials ought to be of historic magnitude but you're italian so i know the flattery is not gonna it's not gonna get to you. <laughs> <laughs> so what is joe biden being told is he being told the truth by people who actually gather the information and then what he wants to hear by their bosses or is everything filtered through the, the political folks that run the CIA so that the president only hears what he wants to hear. And if the latter, that's yeah. not doing him and the country any good at all. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's the, the, that's the fundamental question. The question is uh, who is feeding him what he, well, the president doesn't sit down and go through uh, 400 pages of, of intelligence uh, information. Somebody else does that. So the question is, who is the filter and what are they telling him and why are they telling him what they're telling him? I suspect this is, um, this is, I hate to say this about my own country, but this is essentially all political. This is, this is a strategy. I suspect that the uh, Democratic Central Committee and whoever is running things there named Clinton 
uh, or Obama, uh, these people have are seeing a war situation as benefiting the Democratic Party in the upcoming elections. I suspect that's what it is, to be honest. And and uh, but what scares me about this is that they are missing the big story here. The big story is that they are on a path that is approaching extremely closely to a nuclear war between the United States and Russia. And right. do we this, have yeah do Please, we yeah. have do we have military people on the ground in Ukraine training the Ukrainians in the use of the equipment we're sending over? Yes, we do. I I am completely confident of that. I've heard from people that um, have uh, actually been in contact with some of these people. Uh, they're undercover. Um, they, if you go and look on the uh, Ukraine United States Embassy diplomatic list, you won't see them. Um, they are um, under various types of cover, and uh, yeah, they're doing training. And also, right. there's there are and also there are advisors. Um, All right. Now, this may sound like a silly question, but I think it's profound. If they're shot at, will they shoot back? These are Americans. They're American military. Well, I suspect they're not uh, at the front, as it were. Uh, but if indeed a situation evolves in which they're shot at, they certainly will shoot back. And uh, it'll be an interesting question how the administration would deal with uh, special forces people undercover getting killed in U Ukraine. That would be rather uh, difficult for them to handle. So special forces there are not there for the reasons that the administration leaked. They're not bodyguards. They're not guarding a building. That's not what they do. No, it's not what they do. There are there are probably uh, some some special forces people who are advising the people, who, the Ukrainians who are protecting uh, Zelensky. Uh, I'm sure that that's taking place also, and, and and probably Secret Service people also. So, you know, there's a, there's a multi, you know, you, you just don't take $60 billion and throw it down a hole. Oh, well, we do that, but most other people wouldn't do that. Right. But, the, but the fact is, you, there, are cert, there are other elements that come like a tail on that. And that's what we're talking about here. It's they reopened the embassy. They reestablished the diplomatic list. They brought people in. There's no question in my mind, but that's what they've done. Let's um, switch topics to the other side of this. What, what is your understanding of the stability of Vladimir Putin's presidency? Better, worse, sound, unstable? What do you hear? What do you know? What can you tell us? Uh, I hear probably all of the above. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on, Phil. Filter it through that University of Chicago educated brain of yours. <laughs> well, here's the here's the key to this. Uh, if your source is someone who is in the Russian cabinet who spends twelve hours a day with Putin, and he tells you this, he tells you the president is unstable and uh, he's getting. Uh, extremely nervous about what's going on. 
then it's reliable information. But if you get it from somebody who's just on the ground in Ukraine, in most cases, is where this information comes from, uh, he doesn't know anything. He's, okay. he's, he's, he's calling somebody up on the phone that he maybe knew back in college two years ago. And, and you know, it's that kind of thing. And the same thing when uh, our Secretary of Defense comes out with something, uh, he doesn't know anything either. Uh, he's getting stuff secondhand, thirdhand, sometimes from the British, sometimes from the Germans, sometimes from the Poles. You know, I, I, I don't trust making decisions or serious decisions about war and peace based on this kind of information. But yet war and peace decisions are made based on this kind of information, even based on, as you told me, intelligence officials telling uh, President Biden what they think he wants to hear, not what the raw data uh, is telling them. What do you think about Putin's stability? I mean, I don't mean his mental stability. I mean his stability in office after four months of this war, which he and his folks apparently expected would be over in four days or two weeks. Well, I think that the, the, the issue of his stability uh, seems to be that most Russians still approve of what's going on. That seems to be insofar as one can make an assessment from what opinion polls there are and that sort of thing. So I don't think he's in danger, politically speaking. Uh, I think there's a there's a uh, probably a considerable risk uh, that at a, a certain point um, this will erode to the level where the the people in the polit what used to be passed for the Politburo uh, would be demanding answers in terms of where they're going with this, and that might. Uh, bring about some kind of change in the leadership. And I think Putin is a strong leader. And I think that Putin is uh, very focused on what he wants to do and has a, has a good idea of how he wants to do it, as of right now. How uh, much longer do you think this will last uh, before the Ukrainians confront the inevitable? Uh, I think we're seeing some hints that uh, they're confronting the inevitable already, that they're... They're leaning towards talking. Uh, I think they've realized they can't win this uh, in any uh, realistic way. The question then becomes, what do, what do Putin and his people want to get out of this? They have certainly uh, taken control of the two uh, provinces that were uh, the original cause of the war. Uh, but do they want like a land bridge that goes from those provinces all the way over uh, to Crimea. Uh, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. Let me ask you about communications um, back channel. Is there likely some intelligence officer, Russian, speaking to an American intelligence officer off the record and with great candor, like, what are you, crazy, sending missiles that can reach Moscow? Do you, do you know what the reaction will be to that? Is there that kind of deep, below-the-surface, off-the-record communication that goes on either between belligerents or between Cold War belligerents like the U.S. and Russia? Yeah, the short answer is yes. I mean, uh, um, Russian and, and CIA case officers are human beings. Um, 
very often in the field, uh, which is what we're talking about, they get along quite well. Um, they're adversarial, and they obviously are looking out for for the interests of, of, of their sponsors. But the, the fact is they, they communicate, and they communicate in very rough terms very often. Uh, and I would imagine the CIA is encouraging this, uh, trying to get some bits and pieces that actually come from a credible source. Do the does the Ukraine government have a credible, reputable intelligence community? And if they do, or if they don't, would they be speaking off the record, below the surface, with the Russians? I, I would go a little farther than that. I would say since uh, not so long ago, the Russian and Ukrainian services were very friendly. I would imagine that um, the Russians have uh, somewhat, we would refer to in the intelligence world as assets uh, and in the Ukrainian service. You're talking uh, about what, what the media used to call a mole? Well, yeah, you, if you were Ukrainian, you refer to that as a mole. Or, or if you were Russian, you refer to it as an agent. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, nevertheless, I would imagine the Russians have some uh, sources. Uh, that are relaying confidential information. Uh, I again, I don't know what mechanism they're using or how exactly they manage it, but that's that's the secret part. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I would think so, and, and you know, it might even be the other way. Uh, Ukrainians might have some Russians who are uh, nervous about the war and are uh, somehow in touch with former colleagues. That's possible. Bill, it's always a pleasure chatting with you. In a couple of minutes, I have to go and cover the verdict in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Oh, okay. So I'm going from the profound to the absurd, but that's <laughs> <laughs> what the media is like today. My dear friend, it's always a pleasure. Well, thank uh, you for judging freedom fans, and certainly the judging freedom host is crazy about you. We hope you'll come back again. All the best, Phil. Thank you. Bye bye. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.